Hello, Eugenie here. Today we speak with homeopath and educator Caroline Gaskin, all the way from the UK. So Caroline has worked as a homeopath, flower essence prescriber and health coach for over 20 years in her London-based practice, and she's recently added online consultations for her clients worldwide. She is an expert in hormonal health and draws on many years' experience of working in PR for complementary health, holistic parenting, organic lifestyle, permaculture, and sustainable systems, as well as natural health. I have done a couple of her online courses on hormonal health, and she's really a brilliant educator, and um, her courses are so uh, helpful. So it was really lovely to get her on today, and I'm sure you'll really enjoy this podcast and just uh, get to see all the various aspects of how homeopathy can help with our hormonal health. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout Podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now, your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we are hanging out with homeopath and educator Caroline Gaskin, all the way from the UK. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you. So great to be here. I am a huge fan girl, <laughs> and I've done a few of your various lectures. I love listening to you. Um, you're such a great educator, and um, yeah, it's somebody that I love learning from, so it's very special to get to have you on today. But can you tell us a bit about how you got into homeopathy in the first place? Sure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love I love these international connections, you know, like the way that we can just talk to each other from my lounge to yours. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. So I started out as a homeopath 21 years ago, but really got into homeopathy, obviously, before that. Um, I say obviously, because sometimes people turn up at college and they really don't have a lot of experience of homeopathy, but they are kind of intrigued by it in some way. And so obviously, I'm really encouraging them to see a homeopath. But for me, the journey started a long time back and a friend suggested I, I go to see a homeopath. And, um, she just talked about it as an interesting experience. And, um, and I went and I was given a remedy and I got a skin rash and I didn't understand the process at all. Uh, so it was a kind of funny experience and, um, it took me a long time to sort out the rash uh, for various reasons. And, um, and I suppose I really got into homeopathy when, when I, had my son. So I was given a remedy during labor and it actually came in a little bit too late in the day. I did give birth to him naturally, but um, sometime afterwards he got a cough and I took him to see a homeopath because I think he'd had two coughs and he was four months old and he was just being breastfed and we were looking into the whole conversation about vaccination and we hadn't yet vaccinated him. And so we were looking at that. He was just breastfed. And I was like, how come my baby's got, you know, a cough again? And so I, I said, um, I must have talked to somebody who took me, you know, and said to go, go to this, uh, natural health clinic and see the homeopath there. And actually the, the trigger for that was that I'd gone to the doctor and the doctor wanted to give me a medication with a sedative in it. So it was like a kind of nighttime cough medication, but it had a sedative in. And I was like, you're not drugging my baby. <laughs> so I was looking for an alternative for the cough. And then when I got to the homeopath, she asked me all the classic questions of, you know, how he was with the cough and who he was as a baby. And that fascinated me. And part of what I shared was, was how he, 
he was quite a chilly baby. And, you know, I've often said this, he didn't like his baby grow kind of taken off when we went to baby massage classes and all the other girls in the class, the baby girls just sort of loved being massaged and, you know, kind of noisy and happy. And he was like, oh, don't take my baby grow off, it's cold. <laughs> and he was given calcarb and of course it cured his cough. And, um, and I think he had that again. And then much, much later, when he was 15 months old, he had whooping cough. And um, he was, after that, he was given tuberculinum and he never, ever had a cough again, which was incredible. <laughs> and the next time I heard him cough, he was about 26 years old, you know. So so homeopathy became part of our, our family. Um, the, f- the first port of call, um, it was safe, it was effective, you know, it mm-hmm. worked. And it felt really good. And then I think when I was about six months post birth, post his birth, I started to experience what I, what I now think of as, as like an identity crisis, you know, and now many, many times we call it postnatal depression, but actually, mm. you know, we're, we're, we're very, very much as women in the Western world taught to be autonomous. We're, we're often not next to our families. We may not have a relationship that is well supported in terms of, you know, mums sisters etc you know we were far away from those people that would naturally support us and that was certainly the situation for me so um i didn't really know how to recognize what i was going through and and that was you know and i think it's really good to share these things so so four and a half months into the post-birth period i was young when i had my son four and a half months in i'd gone back to my pre-pregnancy weight and actually, I was lighter than my pre-pregnancy weight. Now, anybody that's working with women will know that that's a bit of a danger signal. It means that you're possibly moving into mineral and nutritional depletion and that you really need some support because you want to go on feeding baby and you're going to do that at your own cost because that's how we made. You know, so, mm-hmm. so, um, it was a time when I started to feel a bit ungrounded. I started to question who I was, where I'd come from my identity and um i kind of voiced a bit of that to the homeopath and she said i think you need to come and see me and i went to see her and she gave me sepia 1m <laughs> and <laughs> i always say of that that it just got to the bottom of the barrel of of mm. who and what caroline gaskin was and it and mm. it just was like it was just like that some sort a 180 it was like i looked at my life and i worked on a lot of stuff. <laughs> and here I am today. <laughs> I love that you said that. I literally had a client in today that said exactly that. Her baby is, I think, about 18 months. And she's like, I don't know who I am. Like, it's it's something that we hear so often in the clinic and that homeopathy can get in there and, you know, help you on that energetic level to, you know, balance things out. It's so amazing. You used an interesting term. You said, uh, it's an interesting experience going to see a homeopath. <laughs> <laughs> well, your friend said that to you. Why, why would you describe a homeopathic consultation as an interesting process? <laughs> yeah, great question. I mean, you know, what happens when you come to see a homeopath is you spend an hour in the company of somebody whose sole interest is not, is not funded by anything else other than to help you on your healing journey, to ignite your or reignite your vital force, you know, to, to the body knows itself. The body knows how it has, knows how intrinsically what is needed to cure it. And, mm. um, we just don't know how to listen to that anymore. So when you go to a homeopath, they are just listening to you and they are 
asking about your whole life story and how you got to where you are now. So, you know, that homeopath said to me, without going too much into my story, she said to me, um, have you ever felt like this before? And I said, mm-hmm. yes, I felt like this when I was eight. And she said, tell me about when you were eight. And I told her about when I was eight. And she said, you know that those feelings aren't normal, don't you? And I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hadn't known that, you know, for 20 mm-hmm. years. I was 28 at the time. And so it really uncovered something for me. It really helped me mm-hmm. look at a very deep change that had taken place in my life at that point in my life when I was nearly eight and to begin to do some personal work on that to begin to do the personal journey and you can only do that in an hour you know listening and then obviously you need a lot of time a lot more than an hour but you you need to hear what we call the timeline the person's story how they got from naught to whatever age they are now and if, and if I have somebody in front of me who's six months old, I still, I'm going to spend an hour with them finding about the pregnancy, mm. the conception, that pre-birth journey into the world and how, how the world is for that tiny being now. So in that, usually classically it's an hour, but we spend time listening to every aspect, every nuance of mm. a person's disease, health, well-being, wherever they're at. And you know, as homeopaths, we're listening for things that the allopaths don't necessarily listen to or for. And I think the biggest thing for me, and it depends on whether you're a homeopath in the audience or not, so me and Eugenia would try and explain <laughs> this, but, you know, we're listening for the mental emotional symptoms. So that sort mm-hmm. of how is it for you emotionally and how was it for you emotionally and when did it change? And we're also listening to you, how it is, how is it for you physically? Mm-hmm. And many people will be able to identify with and um, talk about their physical symptoms in some way. And they may come from a very allopathic place and talk about it as an itis, an itch. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're asking them to qualify that. So as homeopaths, we're asking um, to qualify the pain, the discomfort, the experience. And we're listening for what we call general symptoms. So we're listening for when it started, whether it comes at a certain time of year, which part of the body it occurs on, what it's better for, what it's worse for. So if you've got an itch, is it better for plunging it into hot water? Um, and then that gets us close to the remedy because we're looking mm-hmm. to differentiate between many thousands of remedies that we have in our pharmacy. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you've said that because the reality is that very few people know what to expect when they go to see a homeopath. Usually it's word of mouth. So, you know, their friend has had brilliant results. Their friend has told them to come, but they have no idea what homeopathy is or what to expect. So I love that you've just quantified that for us. Caroline, why did you decide to become a homeopath and then also an educator, a brilliant one at that? <laughs> Thank you. It's um, it's a very interesting journey. I always say that homeopathy came to get me. <laughs> so even though it had been, you know, our number one healthcare choice for a long time, I had an interest from a very young age in herbs, what kind of first came to me in terms of a healing paradigm. Prior to that, um, I was always very interested in health articles and I would pick up what, what we had in the UK. I don't know if it's worldwide. It might be. It was called Reader's Digest. So we didn't have the internet. <laughs> yeah. We may or may not have had books at home. Um, and, um, and we used to get this thing called the Reader's Digest and the pages that most fascinated me were the personal stories, you know, were mm. the health journeys. So I remember some of those really vividly. 
you know, I remember a story about sugar and how bad sugar is for us. And I was really shocked because I actually, and I was interested um, because I wasn't shocked. I was, I was interested uh, because I actually really liked sugar and I didn't realize, you know, a total 70s product. Um, I was just addicted to sugar and chemicals. And, uh, <laughs> and so here I am, you know, trying to help people mm-hmm. with that addiction. And, and that mm-hmm. leads on to other stuff as well, you know, so, so, um, the sugar chemicals story, you know, was really born very much in or came to fruition very much in the seventies. And so this conversation about sugar really piqued my interest, you know, how sugar, white sugar was quite evil and that, you know, it came from the slave trade. And um, it's been purified and sanitized. And, you know, from the 1930s onwards, it's a massive part of everything that we kind of eat. You know, a spoonful mm. of sugar helps medicine go down and all that <laughs> stuff, you know, all that kind of. And also the whole conversation about, at least in the UK, um, fats were demonized and sugar mm. was idealized and became, you know, what we sweetened discomfort with. And, you know, so we warped our integrity and our, our microbiome you know we 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 started to destroy the very things that make us human which is you know the millions of bacteria inside us which form the microbiome which responds all the time to the outside world draws up nutrients allows us to engage to become allegedly high functioning mammals <laughs> You know, so that one article, you know, was really, really interesting to me. And mm-hmm. it was, it was sort of herbalism, food interest, health interest. It's all there in my, um, astrology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interestingly, Virgo rising, which is very, oh, really? yeah, very associated with our health, you know. Mm-hmm. The Reader's Digest also had things. really good jokes. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. <laughs> I remember reading the jokes in the Reader's Digest. They were really good. <laughs> the jokes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, so homeopathy came to get me. This, um, yeah. I went into, I was talking with the owner of the natural health center that we went to and he, and I was sort of saying, um, and he asked me, he must have said to me, or maybe I asked him, I can't remember, but we were talking about maybe studying and he said, Oh, you know, my sister's, um, Stella Berg is just starting a foundation in homeopathy. You should talk to her. So I did. And kind of the rest is history, you know. <laughs> and how did you then get, go on to teach at CHE? And CHE, can you tell us a yeah. little bit about CHE? Yes. So, so I, I trained to be a homeopath with Stella, six months, um, foundation course. And she said at the end of the course, she, she highlighted some courses for us, you know, some directions that we could go in. And some people mm-hmm. were going to be homeschooled prescribers some people were going to become homeopaths and she said to me you should go and study with robert davidson he's a maverick you're the right sort of person for cph the college of practical homeopathy mm-hmm. so i went to study with robert and robert he was an, an incredible person he's taught you know many of the leading homeopaths in the uk and he studied under thomas morn and thomas morn and john de monte in the 1960s 70s really changed the face of homeopathy and brought it out of, you know, the dark ages, um, a very dry place into modern day homeopathy, you know, so a lot of amazing protocols, um, a, an incredible approach to, to being a practitioner. Mm-hmm. And one of my colleagues, Sarah Campbell, you know, she said when we graduated, Robert, you've taught us to be able to prescribe anywhere. You know, if, if the city's burning down and we're only sitting on the steps of Notre Dame with our repertories, we'd be able to prescribe, you know, so 
And that is so true, you know, and that served me well through many world traumas, you know. So I graduated mm. in 2000. In 2001, we had, you know, of course, the World Trade Center in the UK after that. Well, we had the tsunami 2006. Mm. Um, we had the London bus bombings 2007. And from then on, you know, we've had world trauma presented to us, you know, right to our sort of doorstep, right into our home in a very different mm-hmm. way to how it used to be. And each one of those, you know, we've met those with trauma clinics, homeopathic response, knee-jerk mm-hmm. reaction to go out and help the people involved. And I think the most, you know, the most recent in terms of that type of disaster for us was Grenfell, you know, which is right into the heart of our city in London when the tower block caught fire and, you know, we just went over and set up clinics, you know, with our remedies. We asked people to post post in remedies to support us with, uh, you know, people drove in from all over the place um, to to create several clinics to meet the needs of people in the immediate environment, not just in the tower. Wow. But, you know, homeopaths have this incredible um, drive to help others in in a way that I don't see in other complementary therapies. So mm. it's been, you know, an incredible journey so far. And of course, COVID, you know, the most recent is how are we going to respond to a very different kind of crisis amongst us. And, you know, I'm really conscious that that was preceded by the fires in Australia, that this, you know, that this huge burning of the wood element happened, you know, went through us, the forest fire went through the world. And then after that, it's like the worm that comes out of the woods, you know, COVID emerged. I think it's a story that's really yet to be told, you know, at at a kind of, at a spiritual level, at a potential healing level, you know, it's, we're in the midst of something which is really quite dynamic. And we are only just beginning to, I mean, it's, I think it's, has the capacity to get out of control, really out of control. I don't think it's out of control yet. Um, and um, I think the next few months, you know, we're recording in October 2021. I think it's going to be a big unfolding. I think we're going to need to become stronger as a community. Mm. So the thing that I think the thread that's come through all of this, you know, is is becoming educators as homeopaths, mm-hmm. supporting those in our immediate community. That's our practice, supporting each other growing the group space, you know, so through COVID it's been an immense, tremendous space to grow like you, you know, homeopathic first aid courses, mm. to grow um, looking after yourself, understanding our hormones. That's a big part of my work, working with hormonal imbalance and particularly menopause. But, um, you know, just that kind of journey that we're on um, as homeopaths is, is, I often say, we're nothing if not also educators. Now, every time someone comes in to see us one-to-one, they are going to need some support and education. So it really starts at that space. That's beautiful because Samuel Hahnemann, who was the founder of homeopathy, he definitely had that as well because he was always educating people about, uh, yeah. you know, health and hygiene. And that was, you know, the early 1800s before any of that was mainstream. He was already educating his clients about, you know, all of these different things. So you're right. It's definitely an educating role as well. And can we please next go into your specialty, hormones, menopause, (laughs) and how you got into that and why you love it and what sort of cases you see in your clinic? Because that's something I can talk about all day long as well, because our hormones, you know, I I only see women and children in my clinic. So it's all about the hormones. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy to isolate hormones and say, in a way, I work with hormonal balance, you know, because Mm -hmm. that immediately 
uh, has people thinking and, and acknowledging and only, only, um, focusing on hormones as, as a kind of female, particularly a female, you know, I'd say if we say I'm working in hormonal balance, I'd say 85% of that conversation is received as you sort out women's hormones, but actually hormones (laughs) are chemical messengers in the body that Mm -hmm. are constantly interplaying and interchanging and exchanging information and triggering something else to happen. So, you know, we eat a rich meal. And a whole load of hormones come into action that have nothing to do with our female hormonal system. That's but true. when we say we work in hormonal balance, mm-hmm. generally, <laughs> we're talking about balancing female hormones and maybe male hormones. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a huge need for that. We're in crisis. We're seeing symptoms that um, are off the scale, you know, and we're particularly seeing that at menopause. And menopause is, I think, my, you know, my personal journey, you know, with homeopathy is motherhood through menopause um, to the self. And beyond, you know, so, so, um, there's something about starting out, you know, with my children, with myself, um, that journey and then moving through menopause. I'm very much post menopause now, but, um, it's, it was doing a talk at International Women's Day a couple of years ago. I think it was just, just before COVID actually, 2019, that even though I was doing, um, managing menopause naturally workshops at that time, uh, that particular talk really brought it home to me that women need support, that women's health is vastly underexplored, um, undersupported, that women go to their doctor and do not get solutions. They certainly don't get any natural health options. And what the reason it was that particular talk is it's only a 20 minute talk on managing menopause naturally. And all the women that came up from many, many different backgrounds, many cultural backgrounds, it was a talk to, it's called Homes for Haringey, and it's basically um, Haringey Council, so it's a local um, district in London, the mm-hmm. local council, uh, home home support, you know, so so public housing, housing issues, uh, mainly women working there, which is amazing, really, to see that women are the ones that are providing um, information about home, support in the mm-hmm. home. I just thought, you know, that really struck me. And women from Haringey is a very mixed borough culturally, it's a bit like mm-hmm. Southwest Sydney. So the, so the audience was diverse and I just had all these women come up afterwards and say, I had no idea there was any alternative to HRT. I instinctively don't want to take HRT, but I had, I've been struggling. I had no idea. And I thought, Oh my goodness, there's work for me to do at that kind of group one to many level that it's all very mm-hmm. well working one to one with women who hear about what I do and come into that space. But actually there's far more work to do at the one to one level to introduce very simple measures, you know, that we can take to balance our hormones. Mm-hmm. So that's been something of a mission and I've done lots of talks um, and workshops and I'd like eventually, and it's coming, to work more at that business-to-business level so that we're educating within the corporate world mm-hmm. about how to support women with transition, change, you know, whether that is pregnancy, whether that is illness, you know, um, particularly cancers, mm-hmm. whereas you've got a big journey. Um, but autoimmune disease, we've got a big journey where you do need to be supported by the workplace and of course menopause, you know, so, mm. so that part of my work is big and, and I have a Facebook group, which, which is a, a sort of freebie space. I have a YouTube channel, which has got some freebie stuff on it. And then we can dive into sort of a two hour workshop mm-hmm. for probably, I'm going to say a fifth of the cost of a one to one consultation. And, wow. you know, so there's lots of 
opportunity now that we're working online um, mm-hmm. to to spread the word and really support. Mm-hmm. I think women in a in a and to clients obviously, but you know, women in that wider space. Mm-hmm. It's always really sad when uh, clients say they didn't know they had another option. Mm. And, you know, like with the HRT, it's, um, I think if people actually knew what it was derived from and how it's made, they would probably be pretty shocked. And, um, yeah, just not knowing that there's an alternative is, is really sad. A lot of clients, uh, for example, children with eczema, you know, I deal a lot with that. And they will say, well, I just didn't know there was an alternative to steroids. People just don't know that, you know, homeopathy has so many safe options to offer. So yeah, that's great that you made them aware of that. And, you know, I, Often they can just hear this at just the right time. And that's why I'm so yeah. passionate about getting this podcast out there because I can just imagine, you know, a mum driving, hearing this and then thinking, oh, there's another way. This is so wonderful. Yeah. I'm saying driving because that's when most people, I think, listen to podcasts. That's certainly when I do. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> um, doing the washing. Yeah. Yeah. So can you maybe share a few cases with us from your clinic, Caroline? Yeah. I just, when you first said that, um, about, uh, you know, about, about what do you see? you know, in mm-hmm. your clinic. What came into my mind was a friend of my daughter's, my daughter's mm-hmm. um, 29 now, but when she was mm-hmm. a little bit younger, a friend of hers from college came to stay for a few days. I think she was, she had work experience in London. And she said, so I know that you're a homeopath and, um, and, and I sort of know a little bit about what, you know, that, but she said, well, mm-hmm. what do you actually do? You know, what do you actually work with? And mm-hmm. um, I said, what a great question. And I wrote down, Everybody that I prescribed for in the week and their, their sex, their age and what I prescribed for. And it was such a huge diversity, you know, and it was sharing that with her was, was really interesting, you know, because it was, it was a lesson to myself about how adept we are as homeopaths, you know, in general practice and that we might specialize, but we always get in this incredible variety of ages. Um, stages mm-hmm. of disease and, and, um, demographics, you know, so, so some of my most interesting cases, I guess, are when somebody comes in and they are ready in a way for homeopathy. Perhaps other, other groups of people aren't. And it's been some of my biggest teachings in terms of the, what we call the homeopathic conversation and mm-hmm. managing cases. And I'm thinking of, because I work in central London, very near Harley Street, I work at um, Ainsworth's Pharmacy. And that's right in the heart of, of central London, just north of Oxford Street, which is our, our busy shopping street, just like it is in Sydney. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, just north of there is Ainsworth's and just, just near there is Harley Street. And Harley Street is internationally famous on a medical level. And, um, so we will get people falling out of Harley Street into Ainsworth's asking for support and, some of my biggest teachers, in a way, have been um, my Muslim clients, my Middle Eastern clients, who have a deep spiritual practice. And we don't have that in the UK in general, us, us, us white Caucasian um, mm. types, and they're definitely the same in Australia as well, don't have a massive spiritual or religious background practice in mm. the main. You know, we're a long way from that. So when someone comes in and they have that and they are attending, to themselves spiritually, they are much more ready for this energy medicine to slide in. And that was yeah. really interesting. Often somebody who is has been doing some psychotherapy is also ready for 
something else to slide in because they're attending to their mental emotional needs. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes in and they've had a lot of good quality nutrition and maybe supplementation, then that part of them is being looked after and they are more ready for homeopathy. So the people who, who really aren't doing anything in their lives are the ones that we might perhaps be more careful with in terms of our prescribing. So we might start mm. with a lower potency or we might start with a potency like LM that can gently slide into the system and mm. begin to wake up to, as I said, the homeopathic conversation. So, so I think that can be a useful indicator for us. And it was something that I wasn't really taught, you know, to make an assessment about where someone was at mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and how ready they were for homeopathy. So that that's actually a gem. Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, definitely. And a recent gem, talking of gems, that um, <laughs> I, I, I kind of I came across is, is the journey from, from a mineral remedy where one is perhaps more engaged with, so the remedy, and by a mineral remedy, I mean something like silica or calcarb, perhaps arsenicum, which is made from a mineral substance. And someone comes mm -hmm. in and it is, their world, um, exists for them as a safe space if they have order and structure in the mm -hmm. world. And then if they're a plant remedy, or they move into the plant remedy state. And I'm thinking of a client in particular who moved from those types of remedies into lycopodium, did very well on lycopodium, um, mm. and actually a bit of forum when some grief came up. And then one day I looked at her and I realized that she'd lost her sparkle. And I gave her remedy golden topaz. And that really ignited something. I felt like she then moved into kind of back into herself so that journey through the types of remedies mm -hmm. um, is fascinating i didn't include mm -hmm. animal remedies there but she has had a couple of animal remedies along the way mm -hmm. <laughs> i love it have you perhaps got some like specific cases that you can tell us yeah. that you really enjoyed this yeah yeah absolutely um i have a a, a client um that i've supported through for many many years and for many years, she she's a big traveller, and um, she would get colds after every tra every time she travelled, because she travelled a lot. She was always having it; just felt like I was always prescribing for the cold. So I was only ever mm -hmm. prescribing at an acute level. And one day, I put an immune system support remedy into her jet lag combination. So I got her travelling with a remedy, which is a combination remedy mm -hmm. that I give to people for jet lag, having mm -hmm. travelled to and from Australia a lot actually <laughs> myself in fact to and from Perth a lot myself yeah. um I I you know was well versed in using a jet lag combination so I put that together and then I added in an immune system support and she started to travel without getting colds so I could get to her constitution and I gave her sulfur and that mm -hmm. really shifted something for the case um I got I got into a much more interesting part of the case so if you're mm -hmm. If you are prescribing only ever at the acute level, it's okay, but you have this sense that you are only ever putting out fires. And in Chinese medicine system, I am a water tiger. So I have the capacity to put out a lot of fires because I've got water element. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's very interesting. 
Do you use Chinese medicine or, I mean, it's gets I use, I use, I love the system. Do you, do you use it? No, I wish that was the, if, if I was going to study anything else ever, which I don't think I'll ever have time because homeopathy is so all consuming <laughs> and I'm just forever, um, you know, learning new things about homeopathy. But if I was ever to study another modality, I think it would be TCM. I think it's got yeah. the ability to, um, yeah, it, I just find it really fascinating the tiny little bit that I know about it. And I think it ties in well with homeopathy from what I've heard. Yeah, it really does. I, mm-hmm. I use the analogy, um, I was taught, um, a little bit about it by Hilary Dorian, I think, yeah, when I was at said, college. Yeah. And, um, and I've kind of, I, I have a little app in my phone, which is called Organ Clock. And that gives you mm-hmm. the times of day that organs mm-hmm. are showing their colors, if you like. So, so the Chinese is a very interesting system. And I just made mm-hmm. a little note to send you a link to TC. Yes, please. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a really useful site that I found that has just got some mm-hmm. great basic information, mm-hmm. um, as a kind of taster, as a bit of understanding. So without going into, un, you know, explaining, um, what mm-hmm. I know of it. Um, what I do find useful is is things like each organ has this two hour window when it mm-hmm. is awake or perhaps definitely meant to be asleep and resting, mm-hmm. restoring. And I find that very useful. So if someone is waking at a certain time of night, um, if someone mm-hmm. is ill at a certain time of day, mm-hmm. um, then I and I've started to group certain homeopathic remedies into that. So so you know we know that um, Nat Muir feels better in the morning. Sort of they mm-hmm. they they kind of they feel quite good in themselves until mid morning. And mm-hmm. that ties in, um, with the, the nine to 11 slot in Chinese medicine. And so, you know, you can then go and look that up. You know, one of my favorites is, is the gallbladder time of day is 11 in the evening till one, um, in the morning. And that mm-hmm. is the time when really we should be resting. Um, we have a, an English saying, which is, um, an hour before midnight is worth two afterwards, or if someone's trying to make a decision, we say just sleep on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the gallbladder in Chinese medicine is the master of decision making. So if we rest during that time and we sleep during that time, then we are able to make decisions more easily. You know, it's just little gems Love like it. that. I think yeah. that really help the client get mm-hmm. why it's a great idea to be mm-hmm. in bed falling asleep between ten and eleven and not Absolutely. pushing it to one a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and then worrying why they're so indecisive and can't make their minds up about life. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, when did you start teaching and what do you enjoy about teaching? Oh, I started in, at, I started teaching at CPH actually. So, mm-hmm. so CHE was started in, I think, um, 1997 by Marcus and, um, Mm-hmm. Well, it started by Gordon and Marcus, Marcus Fernandez and Alan Kramer joined him to create C- CHE. And, um, I was always, was asked by my, both Marcus and Ellen. I was encouraged into being a teacher. I was, mm-hmm. I, w- and I felt it was too soon. You know, I'd only just graduated. So mm-hmm. me and a friend started to, we started, um, tutorials in 2002. So two, two years into practice started doing tutorials which were great fun and we had um we had a, a group of people that came mm-hmm. and not just homeopaths actually we had some complementary therapists as well so it was a very interesting space and then um i started to teach at cph we ran um an independent clinic as well outside of cph called the angel clinic that grad- mm-hmm. new graduates could come to so there's some really great kind of like learning spaces um along the way mm-hmm. and um 
And I just, I love it. I just, I channel, you know, I, I realize now um, people will say, oh, can you just say that again? I'd be like, not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so um, and I think what I love about teaching at the moment, you know, since we're using the online space a lot, is it mm-hmm. is it really fulfills a big creative side as well for me. So my background is, is fine art textiles. Um, mm-hmm. I was in the creative world before I got into into training as a homeopath. I have a background in PR as well. And some really good skills to bring into your yeah. clinic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I share that. So my next step mm-hmm. in terms of teaching is to start. Um, I'm I'm working on a course um, for for developing your practice, for mm-hmm. setting up your practice, for de- developing your practice, for mm-hmm. a thriving practice. To share the skills that I've I've got and have learned along the way in terms mm-hmm. of becoming who you're meant to be as a homeopath so you know I think that's really a big part of what I enjoy about it is Mm -hmm. is you never know we don't know ourselves you know what we're going to get into in this journey as homeopaths um but it is amazing there's magic in being Mm -hmm. part of that and this weekend the students from 2021 at CHE graduated so I started teaching at CHE more recently I used to run their tutorials a long time ago, mm-hmm. so so that was sort of in the early two thousands, um, and then started teaching for them. I guess around two thousand and fourteen, I think it is, and mm-hmm. um, and I do I teach on both full time and part time courses, which is interesting because full time is two years, part time is four, and so mm-hmm. we get quite different groups of people on those courses often. And sometimes people will change from one course to another because their circumstances change. And we're, you know, very much in this, this space, which is incredibly privileged, you know, to support people through their journey, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, as they train, you know, in, into becoming who they're meant to be as homeopaths. It's amazing. <laughs> and I'm wondering, Caroline, do you have a specific type of person that comes through and study to be a homeopath? For me, so to personalize it, it mm-hmm. it's I think it's only ever been women who've come to see me in my practice who have moved into being healers. And they're not always homeopaths. Sometimes I also work with the flower essences, particularly your Australian bushflower essences. Mm-hmm. And and so sometimes it's flower essences and sometimes it's simply knowing that someone that comes in mm-hmm. is a healer. You know, and I say to them, you, you know, especially the ones that ask a lot of questions, they come with a lot of anxiety, actually, and they ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, you'd actually make a really good homeopath. You're asking the right question. <laughs> it's funny. I was wondering whether that was a prerequisite because I do have a couple of my clients who have gone on to study homeopathy and their main complaint when they came to see me was anxiety. So it's interesting because I think as homeopaths, you have to constantly question everything. And uh, maybe when you're anxious, you've got that predisposition to be questioning everything. So, yeah, who knows? Absolutely. I just wanted to, yeah. to, to echo that about questioning because one of the things mm-hmm. I've said through COVID, you know, is I am a walking question box. I have been asking so many questions, not necessarily getting answers, <laughs> but I was asking so many questions through all of this, you know. Mm-hmm what is really going on is the biggest mm-hmm. one but <laughs> you know down to down to you know i want to know i want to know and it doesn't always have the answers and 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 thankfully there there is some 
movers and shakers and speakers out there. Um, you know, mm. I was listening to Russell Brand this morning, you know, and, and just, just asking the right questions, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you see homeopathy fitting into all this craziness that's been going on in the world in the last year? So how are homeopaths able to help? So say anyone's listening to this right now and they've been affected by COVID and what's happening in some way. How do you think homeopathy can help them? My, I've got one word. I'd say beautifully. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Specifically, um, yeah. I would say I, what I encourage my clients to do, and I have from the get-go, is is to get a decent homeopathic kit mm-hmm. in the UK um, they do send them out internationally, and I don't, I don't know what you have in Australia. I'd love to hear mm-hmm. actually from my. I do have some Australian clients. We have Ainsworth that said I work at. They have a forty-two mm-hmm. remedy kit, and then we have mm-hmm. Helios who have a thirty-six remedy kit. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another big pharmacy called Nelson's. Um, I'm sure they have some kind of kit. I'm not familiar with it, and I should pop in and, and see those mm-hmm. guys and, and see what they do. But when you've got a homeopathy kit, you you only have you only have 42 of the many thousands of remedies that we have in our, in our, in our pharmacy, but you have mm-hmm. 42 very well-chosen remedies. And mm-hmm. I would honestly say that all the people that I've been coaching through COVID, um, and that's whether they're vaccinated or not, you know, because obviously that's been going on since the beginning of 2021, but, you know, last mm-hmm. year and this year, I've simply been using their kit. And if they mm-hmm. start to use remedies from their homeopathic kit from the get-go, then they can get through this very efficiently. And that's everything mm-hmm. from, you know, remedies that I wouldn't normally um, be thinking about in an acute, particularly, or I may, but I'm thinking of Natmur for the loss of sense of taste and smell. For mm-hmm. Kalide Bic, the minute the mucus sets in, so the minute someone says, oh, I'm feeling a bit stuffy, a bit mucusy, mm-hmm. like take that Kalide Bic and that just shifts mm-hmm. that. So what you want to do with COVID if you are, either listening and thinking, oh, what could homeopathy help, or you're a student or you're a practitioner, is to get there with very simple remedies as as soon as you can. So the minute, you know, somebody says, oh, my goodness, so-and-so's got a positive COVID test and I was with mm-hmm. them yesterday, take arson out. Arson out has been the biggest remedy for me through this, through the whole mm-hmm. thing. It matched the symptoms that we kept, we saw coming out of Wuhan mm-hmm. originally. It's been, and I mean, it genuinely has been a lifesaver. So mm-hmm. arson out and all sorts of reasons for that. You know, mm-hmm. if you're reading the papers, the scientific papers about the, the actual virus itself and where, and its um, makeup, then you'll see arson out written all over it. Mm-hmm. So it's, for me, it's the single most useful remedy. And there are many others. Um, yeah. And then, and then we move into the fever state and it's been mainly gelsemium if arsenic mm-hmm. is not meeting the needs, occasionally phosphorus. Mm-hmm. Dry cough that's been coming more recently, phosphorus, and one of the symptoms that I've seen, which which is a remedy um, that is not in the kit, but mm-hmm. particularly I'm, I'm I've seen a couple of times very recently in young women who've had the vaccine, they've had a double vaccine, and then they've gone on to have COVID, and they've gone mm-hmm. on to have COVID which has lasted for about ten days. Now that's a mm-hmm. long time. I've been getting people through this in four to five days, maybe six days. For sure, there are some people with underlying health conditions and it's taking sort of eight to ten days to get through. Mm-hmm. But but a few young women in my practice recently or, or um, that have come to me um, and they've been getting swollen glands. Now, I've not seen swollen glands throughout all of this and um, I've used carb. That's really been helpful. 
So, you know, we're listening to the symptoms that someone's presenting with mm -hmm. and taking the case as usual and mm -hmm. finding a remedy and, you know, making mm -hmm. um, that fit basically to mm -hmm. what's going on. <laughs> yeah, and isn't isn't homeopathy amazing that um you know you were saying about arsen alb, which a lot of my clients will know as arsenicum because I know they're going to be listening to this and saying, yes. what's that yeah. remedy she's saying? It was yeah. uh, arsen alb, also yeah. arsenicum, but um, arsenicum's mental emotional picture, just with all that incredible anxiety that we're seeing in so many of our clients because a lot of them don't know. There's so much uncertainty; they don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I feel like the whole world is in an arsenicum state, and if we could just put these remedies prophylactically yes. in the in the tap water, it would exactly. just like calm everyone down. <laughs> it would, so, you know. And the thing yeah. is interesting, actually, because I'm in the middle of teaching a first aid course, and um, this Wednesday we're going to be doing the the, the mental emotional remedies that mm -hmm. are in the the mental emotional sides of the remedies mm -hmm. that are in the kit. And um, you know, the biggest thing with arsenicum really is health anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it's personal. It's, it's anxiety about health. It's less about health of others, a bit more mm -hmm. selfish. But it's, mm -hmm. it pers you know, so the state is it's, it's become personalised and, you Absolutely. know, behind it all is, is fear of death, you know. Mm. So interesting, all mm. of this. So um, interesting. What, can, I, can I ask you, though, because I'd love to know, um, do you have a supplier in Australia who, who supplies a kit you <laughs> <laughs> so i will show you some uh, picture afterwards of my kits I've yeah. on my website yeah. and i personally think that i have the best kits in the world and yeah. i'll tell you why <laughs> because i use amber glass so i'm always surprised that somehow you have to use the clear glass so i have amber glass i would never put my remedies in plastic i have waterproof labels and i have dots Brilliant. on the top so it makes it so much easier to find them and I have beautiful little travel cases. Sorry, I'm getting a little um, Love it. Uh, blurb in here for my own products. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to send you a compliment. I'd love it. I, you can see you what know, it's like. Well, I mean, my favourite thing of all would be yeah. to fly over to Perth. I think that's a bit out of the question yeah. at the moment. But I love your city. It's yeah. just oh, such a great place. It is a beautiful yeah. city. <laughs> so, Caroline, I like to finish off on a bit of fun. And I always ask my guests, what are your top three remedies for you personally so if you could only choose three out of the eight thousand plus which three could you um, not live without i've just some a few that have fallen into my my head um <laughs> okay so i don't know if i moonstone came up i don't know why that dropped in there <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah somebody needed to um, hear that obviously carcinose in 200 <laughs> um because i because as a practitioner mm. You know, we give a lot and we really have to, to watch that we don't spend too much of ourselves. And, and so every so often, a carcinose in 200 might slip into the equation. Moonstone 1M and Rainbow 30C. <laughs> I have got a thousand two hundred remedies in my clinic, but I don't yeah, have Moonstone or Rainbow, so I'm going to have to order them now. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to doing oh, more of your courses. You. Keep producing them because I love watching thank them. Thank you. And Jamie. thank you so much for Bye. your time. <laughs> Bye. Hi, homies. I'd like to invite you to come and join me at the Homeopathy Hangout Podcast Facebook group where we can discuss past episodes and you can help me decide on new content for the show. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel where you'll find my free Homeopathy at Home 30-minute introduction video, which is perfect for anyone completely new to homeopathy who's ready to take charge of their own health. Just search for Eugenie Kruger Homeopathy on YouTube. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a once-off five 
$5 donation by visiting www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash hangout. Or if you'd like to make a monthly donation, you can visit www.patron.com podbean.com forward slash homeopathy hangout and if you're in australia and you'd like to purchase one of our beautiful homeopathic kits single remedies or one of our amazing combination remedies visit www.eugeniekruger.com where you can also sign up to our newsletter so you don't miss out on any special offers and if you're interested in advertising on our show please email info at eugeniekruger.com thanks so much for listening